Oh, I, already, I shouldn't have opened that. You dumb bitch. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunken Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie. And in former Lindsay fashion, I am sick. (laughs) So if you hear me sneeze, cough, or sound like very nasally, I cannot breathe through my nose. (laughs) Mouth breathers. Yep, I'm a mouth breather for the week. There's a sniffle. All right. So, what were you just gonna drink that? I was. <laughs> All right. Um. Let's start this with my music corner because Lindsay is already trying to drink the beer of the episode. I'm thirsty. Uh, not my problem. Okay. So, the first album I want to talk about, and as actually as a brief reminder from last year, Stephanie's Music Corner. I once a month talk about my five favorite albums of the month prior, so we are talking about the month of January. Why are you looking at me confused? I'm not. I'm trying to like, I'm just saying something stupid in my head. Okay. I'm saying January. (laughs) I don't know why. Girl, you have one hop slam and you're already all over the place. I haven't eaten dinner. Well, that sounds like it's not my fault. No, it's not. It's also I'm not hungry, so. <laughs> All right. So, my first album I'd like to talk about from the month of January. <laughs> the month of January. Is Bombay Bicycle Club and their album Everything Else Has Gone Wrong. The BBC, as I like to call them. <laughs> so For no reason. <laughs> so, this album came out January 17th. <clears throat> And I actually gave it a perfect 10 out of 10. It is fire. Yeah, it's amazing. It's so good. Um, So the best songs on the album, in my opinion, are Is It Real, I Can Hardly Speak, and Eat, Sleep, Wake, which were actually all singles. So my favorite song on the album is actually Let You Go. Oh, that's a good one, too. That's one of my favorites. Um, So this album, in general, is kind of a middle ground for... The BBC. The BBC. Um, it sounds kind of like a blend of their early rock sound with their more recent electronic sound, and I just, I loved it. It was that so was good. a really good album. For their, this being their first album as after they've gotten back together, after being broken up for five plus years, it's real good. Yeah, I really enjoyed that album. Yeah. So my I, next... I like constantly listen to it, to be honest. I mean, same. Same. So my next one... Um, came out the same day. It is the new album from Of Montreal, and it's called You Are Fun. Also, Fire. I actually, in my head, I call it Your Fun. Well, because like, the, the U and the R aren't spaced out, so I thought it was Depends on how you look fun. at it. I don't know. It could be Your Fun, You Are Fun. Who no, knows? that makes sense. That album's also very good. I gave this one also a perfect 10 out of 10. Um, this album, in general, is a much more 80s pop sound, like late 70s pop sound from what we're used to with Up Montreal. One of their songs literally sounds like ABBA. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my favorite songs on the album were Peace to All Freaks, which was the first single, you Have Me Everywhere, and Gypsy That Remains, which is the ABBA song. So my favorite songs on there are Polyaneurysm and Gets God, Get God's Attention by D, by Being an Atheist. I like that one, too. And then also Deli- Deliver Itself Harm, Ha Ha. Yeah, the song titles are wild. <laughs> they are wild. Um, but I also, like, I agree with you on your songs. That's, both of those albums are so good start to finish that, like, it's hard for me to pick a favorite. Yeah, like, for sure. The ones that you name are also, like... Songs I really love, and I can call them my favorites as well. Yeah, so my next one came out the same day. It's by the band Pine Grove, and it's their new album, Marigold. So Pine Grove is kind of like that modern version of the emo band. Okay. So like American football, body baseball, those kinds of guys. Um, This album, I gave 9 out of 10. I thought it was a such a good evolution of that modern emo sound. Um, my favorite songs were uh, The Alarmist, Phase, and Endless. Uh, I listen to this album a lot. It's very good. Okay. Uh, my next one came out uh, the week after, so January 24th, 
And it's by the band Wolf Parade, and it's their album, Thin Mind. Also a very good album. Yeah, so I I loved this album. Um, I gave it an 8 out of 10, actually, but that is solely because I think they were... This album would have been so amazing if it had come out as like their second or third album. The fact that they've been doing this for so many years, and they finally have put out an album to this level, I just... I think that this is like the departure from this should have been their second album because this mm-hmm. sounds more like an evolution of their first album sound, which I just think it I took that. too long to came out. I get that. Came out, come out, whatever. Uh, favorite songs? Uh, Julia, Take Your Band Home, Forest Green, Static Age, and Against the Day. So three out of the four, three singles? Three of those were singles. Um, Julia Take Your Man Home is my favorite song on that album. It's so weird. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's a great That's one. It's a good album. Uh, my last one, it came out the same day as Wolf Parade. It's by the band The Black Lips. Their album is called Sing in a World That's Falling Apart. So this is actually their country album. So they've been advertising this for a few years now that they've been working on this country album. And they finally released it. And it actually sounds more like their very first album, mm-hmm. more than like a country album. But I loved it. It's very like folky sound, even though they're kind of like a post-punk band. Um, so I gave that an 8 out of 10 as well. My favorite songs were Rambler, Holding Me, Holding You, Georgia, Odella, and Live Fast, Die Slow. Okay. Uh, fun story about this album. One day I was on the bus headed to work, and the guy next to me was also listening to this album. So, fun times. Um, January was a really good release year or release month. Yeah, there was um, a lot of good music that if came this out is in January. Indicative of the rest of the year, it's going to be a really good year for music. Yep. No, I I agree. So, uh, let's talk the beer. Yes, let's talk the that beer. You've already opened. That I already opened. So we have. Forest Fauna by Pipeworks. This is an IPA with Centennial Hops, Centennial Simcoe, and Spruce Tips. Spruce Tips. So, some trees in here. Yeah. The can label's kind of cool. It's a, while it's got a metallic backing, they have a matte finish to it, where mm-hmm. it's the, it's got an image of a unicorn in a forest. Yep. And it's Green and silver and white and black, so very pipeworksy. But the matte finish, I think, is very different for pipeworks. Did you just spill on yourself? <laughs> I did just spill myself. So yeah, um, the matte finish is very different from for them. Um, I will say that my label's not applied very well, but eh, that's fine. Do be like matter. that sometimes. This is a seven percent beer. Well, this isn't as bad as we've done lately. No. And this also does say who the art is by, which is cool. Yeah, so Pipeworks always does that. Got it. Yeah. Pipeworks always okay. advertises who their art. My leg is wet. Because Why I is spilled. your leg wet? Because I spilled beer on myself while looking at the label. Okay, so let's uh, get into this. Ooh, that's nice. Have you not had this one yet? Oh, that's right. I had I had one, and then I saved two. Yeah, for the episode. This is a very like West Coast style, but yeah. it's not bitter or too hoppy. It's like a very mild West Coast style, in my opinion. There's a flavor in here that I cannot recognize, though. There's almost a sweetness in here that I cannot pinpoint what that flavor is coming from. I wonder if that's almost like a spruce. If that's what spruce tips tastes like. I mean, I feel like spruce tips taste like green. <laughs> you know, like forest. Like forest. Like forest and, branches. and branches. And the forest. Like a tree. Like, <laughs> like twigs and branches. And like a forest. <laughs> so... <clears throat> Um, I actually think this beer has a really clean flavor to it. It does have a very clean that's, flavor. When you're, se- when you're describing like a mild West Coast, yeah, it's, it's just, just a clean. real clean IPA. Yeah. It's so good. Yeah, this is a very clean IPA. Like you can taste the hops really well. You taste... Um, I, you can very clearly taste Centennial hops. It's got like a pine flavor, which is a, an IPA. Green. 
That's what I associate with the color green, apparently. Um, it's got, like, a resiny, like, a very mild resiny flavor, which makes sense for, like, yeah. the West Coast. Yeah. It's pretty... I mean, we're drinking out of a can, but it doesn't seem to be hazy at all. It's pretty clear. Mm-hmm. I like this one a lot. There's, like, a nice citrus um, backbone to it, but it's not overwhelmingly citrus. It just kind of complements the hops. I would agree. I think that's part of the hop build to it, though. Yeah. Um, so, three words. Do you have them? Clean. Hoppy. Green. <laughs> Pine, but I, I'm going to call it green because I, you're an idiot. Those are... <laughs> wow. Honestly, those are actually my same words I would pick. Clean, hoppy, and green, or piney. Yeah. Um, this is a very good beer. Yeah. This is delicious. I'm not like a quarter of the way done already. It's easy to drink. Which is interesting. Like, I think you posted on our Instagram about this, but, like, lately we've been very into West Coast IPAs just because I'm kind of over... Some of, like, the juice bombs. Yeah. Um, and this is just a very, very good IPA. Yeah. That's not overdone. It's basic and delicious. And it's what I need right now in my life. Yeah. So, and let's... you didn't want it when I bought it at Pipeworks. And now you have it. I'm rolling my eyes at you. Except you're just blanking. You're not actually <laughs> rolling your eyes. Do you know... Do you know the difference? All right. Let's get into the episode. <clears throat> do you want to introduce the topic since, um... This was my idea. Yeah. Yeah. So this episode has been a long time coming. Um, I have wanted to do this episode for a long time, and I finally sold you on it, and uh, I'm very excited to talk about this today. We are going to be giving an oral history of the life and acting styles of Nicolas Cage. Nick Cage. You can kick it off. Okay. So, Nicolas Cage was born where his actual name is Nicholas Kim Coppola. He was born January 7th of 1964. He is one of three kids to parents August Coppola and Joy Vogelsang. Vogelsang? Something like that. Um, His father was a literature professor at Cal State Long Beach University, and his mom was a dancer slash choreographer. Um, He has two brothers, um, his brother Mark is a radio DJ in, I think he's in New York, but he has been credited as the first rock DJ in New York to play the next generation of heavy metal. I'm sorry. Meaning. He, he's been reddited. According to these notes. He's been reddited. He's been as, reddited. <laughs> um, so he play. he was the first one in New York to play like, the next generation of heavy metal after, like, Sabbath and Led Zeppelin. So, like, late 80s, early 90s heavy yeah. metal. Okay. So, he actually was known on the radio as Dr. Metal for a pretty long time. And then his other brother is Christopher Coppola, who's a director and producer of movies that I've never heard of. The notes actually say that, so. That is what the notes I believe say. you. Um, the one thing I have to add here is that <clears throat> Nick Cage chose the name, um, the last name, the surname, Cage, because he was inspired by the character Luke Cage. Yeah, Nick Cage is actually really well known for his love of comics, yes. specifically Marvel comics, yes. and he he almost played Superman in the Tim Burton Superman Lives movie that really? never actually happened, Okay, so Nick that. Cage loves superheroes, and that's where... Now that I know this, it all it all connects. Checks out. So he actually attended Beverly Hills High School, which is super well known for being like the school in California where all the famous people go. So like a couple famous people that went there are like Carrie Fisher went there, Lenny Kravitz went there. It's like the version of the, Ariel Pink went there. It's like the version of the Fame School in New York. Yeah, that David really Schwimmer exists. went there. Holly Shore slash went there. Like, all kinds of famous wow. people went to this high school. 
And then he went on to UCLA to study in their school of theater, film, and television. Got it. Because he knew he wanted to be an actor. So uh, he's known he wanted to be an actor for a long time. And actually, at the age of 15, he tried to convince his uncle, who is Francis Ford Coppola, to give him a screen test by literally yelling at him in the car, I'll show you acting. And then everyone in the car was just like silent. And then he felt (laughs) bad and gave him a screen test. But the reason he changed his name was to avoid the appearance of nepotism, because obviously Coppola clan. So that's where the name Nick Cage came from. Yep. His first major film, her film debut was a minor role in The Fast Times at Ridgemont High in 1982, and then his first leading role was in the movie Valley Girl in 1983. Okay. He received his first major award nomination in 1988 for the movie Moonstruck, where he won a Golden Globe, or he was nominated for a Golden Globe, he did not win. His first major award win was in 1996 for Leaving Las Vegas, and he won the Oscar for Best Actor that year and the Golden Globe for Best Actor in a Motion Picture Drama. Okay. So before we go on, I just kind of want to quickly talk about the fact that I feel like most people think of Nick Cage as being a terrible actor or like being in shitty movies, but he's actually a legitimately good actor. He's obviously been nominated, and I was also going to say... he's won like a... An Oscar. Yeah, he's won an Oscar. So he was also nominated for the Best Act- Oscar, or Best Actor Oscar in 19, or 2003. Jesus Christ, I can't read. 2002. Well, so what I have there is wrong. Okay. I had to done other research. otherwise. Okay. So he was also nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actor in 2003 for his role in Adaptation, where he played twins. Uh-huh. But he actually lost out to Adrian Brody that year for his role in The Pianist. So he's obviously been... Why are you looking at me like that? I don't think I ever called it that. I always called it The Pianist. Okay. I don't think I say it right, though. Anyways. Um, So, like, what you were saying about him being in, like, Like, well-received movies... He has been in well-received movies, and I feel like a lot of people... And it feels like a meme and a joke about... How Nick Cage isn't, like, a serious actor. He's in, like, movies like National Treasure and, like, he's a weird actor and people think he's just, like, not good. But he's a legitimately good actor. He has won major awards for yeah. movies that he's been in and as an actor. Um, and I think that just goes to show that he is very versatile and that's why um, people think that he's not great. Because, like, the more, um, like, widely received movies of his have not been, like, they're kind of trash movies. But they're still good. He still does a good job. Yeah, the movies I think we know him, the we, as our generation, know him the best for are kind of some of his crazy movies. Right. But he's actually a really well-received actor. Yeah. He's been really successful. Yes. He's also, I mean, he get, he gets to be a little crazy when it's a movie that his family is tied to. Yeah. Where they just let him do wherever he wants. Yeah. And he's also, like, an executive producer in a lot of movies, mm-hmm. so he can do whatever he's he wants. He's a lot more, like, after doing some research on this, I've realized he's a lot more successful than I thought he was. Oh, I knew because, he was like, successful. The first, and actually we'll go into this later, but, like, one of the first movies I, like, really remember him being in, like, watching with him was National Treasure. Yeah. And, like, a lot of our generation only really saw, like, the, the latter half of his... Career. Career. And we, we missed a lot of the crazy stuff, too. Right. But, um, I mean, and I think I've talked about this before, but, like, Seth Rogen has talked about how you do movies to make money and you do movies to be creative. And we see more of the movies... We've seen more of the movies where he's done them for money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For a paycheck. Yeah. Um, which was why I think our generation tends to associate him with being a bad actor or like yeah. something to make fun of. Yeah. Um, whereas we don't really get to see like the creative movies where they're actually like a craft. And- mm-hmm. So um, the next thing I think we need to talk about before we get into some discussion, more discussion about the roles that he's been in. Um, we have to talk about his acting style, which is kind of what you were getting yeah. into. And, he Nick Cage has a very specific acting style. So he has actually made up his own name for it, and it's Nouveau Schmanic. Schmanic? Schmanic? Nouveau Schmanic? Sure. Schmanic? I don't know how to say that. 
He he made up his own name for his acting style. Mm-hmm. That's the point we're getting to. It is inspired by ancient shamans and German expressionism. So basically, he's just like a hardcore method actor. Yep. Like before Jared Leto was doing his method acting that and everyone hates him for it. Nick Cage is a method actor and everyone's fine with it. Yeah. We just make fun of him behind the scenes. <laughs> so, um Luke Buckmaster from The Guardian actually once said in Cage's hands, cartoonish moments are imbued. Imbued? Imbued? Imbued. Cartoonish moments are imbued with real emotion, and real emotions become cartoons. Everything, from individual scenes down to single lines of dialogue, feel like they have been embraced as opportunities for creation. Cage is usually interesting, even when his films are not. He is erratic and unpredictable. He is captivating and... Capricious. Capricious? That sounds like a fake word. That's where the word Capricorn comes from. That's also sounds kind of like a fake word if you think about it. It's capricious. He is capricious. He is a performer. He is a troubadour. He is a jazz musician. I feel like that's a really good line. Because if you watch some of his, like, entertaining movies with knowing that, you realize that everything he does is still intentional. So, like, all of the weird shit he does in National Treasure is very intentional to be, like, that character. And that character is... A weird guy. A weird guy. And, like, if you think about it, and if you, like, go in knowing that he's doing this very intentionally, it's not just Nick Cage being Nick Cage. It's very intentional. Yeah. He's taking more of the character... He's bringing the character more to life. Mm-hmm. And becoming more of the character. And it's more believable that way. Yeah. <clears throat> so... Kind of some additional background on him. So... Speaking to him being, like, the method actor, so we have a couple references to some of the crazy shit that he's done Mm -hmm. over the years that were, like, viewed as kind of unnecessarily done for the role, but it's part of his acting style. So for the movie Birdie, which came out in 1984, he he removed two teeth without anesthesia so that he could physically feel the pain of his character who was a veteran from the Vietnam War. He also spent five weeks with his face wrapped in bandages to kind of feel the pain, and then when he removed them, his skin actually had become infected because of acne and ingrown hairs. That's gross. It is gross. That's super gross. But, method actor. Yep. For the movie Vampire's Kiss, which came out in 1989... He actually asked the casting director to have hot yogurt poured over his toes so that he could get excited for his love scene with Jennifer Beals. So, I feel like, overall, that's not that weird, but I'm more weirded out by the fact that hot yogurt on him gets him excited. Yeah, that's that's why I put this in here. That's the weird part. Like, what about hot yogurt? That's probably, that's gross. Yeah. Not probably. That's that's actually gross. Um, one of my favorites is that for his role in Ghost Rider, The Spirit of Vengeance, which is the second one, by the way, came out in 2010, he, for every scene that he was the Ghost Rider with, like, the CGI skull, he wore his, like, CGI helmet and had full-on corpse makeup the entire time just to get him into character. I love that. There's I love pho- that. Do you want to see photos of it? After. I love that for him. Um, he also has studied Brazilian jiu-jitsu under UFC champ Royce Gracie just so that he'd be prepared for his action movie roles. I think he recently was in a movie actually called Jiu-Jitsu okay. as well. Um, so he's very into that. He ate a very strict diet of red meat and steaks specifically to gain weight for his role in the movie Joe. And he also wanted to identify himself as a carnivore specifically for that role. Got it. The one I added here is for the movie Crudes, the director... Where he was a voice character, right? Uh, The director essentially had to waterboard him when they were shooting a scene where he had to scream into a large tank. So he's been waterboarded for a movie. Where he was just a voice actor. Yeah. I love that for him. I love that for him. 
All right, let's get into some of the more discussion points, and then we'll get into some crazy facts about him. Yeah, for sure. So, what is the first time you remember seeing a Nick Cage movie? So, I saw Face Off when I was about six. I came out, I think, in 1997, so I would have been five when it came out. Um, I remember having, like, a sleepover at my cousin's, and they rented... Hercules for me and my cousin. That was the cartoon. Yeah, like the younger ones, they they rented Hercules, and they also rented Face Off for themselves. And when Face Off came on, they're like, "You guys need to go to sleep, and you can't watch this." But we're all sleeping in the same like living room area, so they're like, "Go to sleep." We have to tell you this, so like, if the parents ask, we told you to go to sleep, and you watch, you watch it on your own. Um, so I watched Face Off at, at like six ish. I didn't really understand what was happening in it until mm-hmm. later on. I was like, oh, that's, you don't let a six-year-old watch that. Yeah, I fair. get it. Um, but the first movie I really remember, like, understanding that this was Nick Cage was National Treasure. Yeah, so mine's actually a uh, similar thing where I, I know I've seen Face Off with my brothers. I couldn't tell you how old I was. I couldn't tell you when. But I know I had seen it, but the first time I really can remember seeing him in a movie, like when I think of my first time with a Nick Cage movie, is yeah. National Treasure. Yep. That's such a good movie. I don't it's know. It's so good. I, I watch it all the time. I do too. I don't know if people shit on that. Like, that's it. Both of it's them. because he sold out and did a Disney movie. Both of them are very good movies. I have a follow-up question. So if Nick Cage was a National Treasure and National Treasure is a Disney movie, is Nick Cage now a Disney prince? That's not how it works. Are you sure? You can't just say everybody's a Disney prince and everybody's a Disney princess. Like, does that mean the girl in it? Does that mean Rory in National Treasure is a Disney prince? No. I mean, could be. No. That's not how it works. Could be. No. Um... What is your horror favorite Nick Cage movie? National Treasure. Really? Um, National Treasure is one of my favorites. I love I love that movie so much. I still I watch it all the time. It's so good. So that he's not even that crazy in that. No, movie, I love that movie though. That movie in general, the concept is so wild that I think that's why it's I love also that extremely movie. entertaining. I learned a lot. I from learned it. more history from those movies than I did. I from learned actual a history lot from those. those. Like they're very educational. Um, Just like how drunk history is educational. Yeah, I I learned a lot from it. I really enjoy it. They're very entertaining. I I liked them. Um, Mandy and Face Off. I I do love Face Off. Face Off's very entertaining. As you watch it, like as an adult, you're like, this is wild. I love it. Yeah, it's like not that that entire storyline does not make it's sense. It's not good, but it's good. Have you listened the to the uh, How Did This Get Made episode? No. On it? You need to. Uh, I, I do. It's hilarious. I um, so I said my favorites were Vampire's Kiss. And I actually rewatched the trailer for this today when I was working on, like, pulling this info together. I forgot that that movie was, is pitched as a comedy. Because it's talked about so seriously all the time. And the movie yeah. does not make sense. But I love it. Yep. That's actually where the Cage Rage beam comes from. Yep. Yeah, I know that. And then... I have a whole thing on memes later on. Knew you would. Um, I also said Mandy, which I actually saw in theaters, and it was incredible. Mandy is a good movie. Um, It is not supposed to be funny, but it is. It's also got some scary parts. It's got some emotional parts. It took me on a roller coaster. Yeah. I also was like six (sighs) beers deep when I saw it, so... So, um, I think this brings us to the, so we're recording this on February 7th. This will come out February 10th? Yes. 10th. Um, I saw this February 12th, I believe. Or not 12th. I saw uh, the Girl, that's Uh, February. 2029 only from now on. (laughs) I saw this February. (laughs) <laughs> only posting concerts from the future <laughs> um i saw this february 5th i believe okay uh no it was the fourth because i was still the in fourth? traveling yeah i, mean, I was traveling, traveling too um but it was announced that nick cage is going to be starring in a movie called the unbearable weight of massive talent 
where he's going to play essentially himself um, acting in a movie directed by Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino's not directing it. No, no, he's not directing it, but it's him in a Tarantino movie. Yes. And that's what the movie's about. So, like, it's him in a Tarantino movie, and that's what the plot is. Yeah. It's, like, breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. Him real life in a Tarantino movie, and that's what it's... It just seems wild. I'm I'm excited excited to see him play, like, a more dramatized, like, ridiculous version of himself, which I don't even know how he's going to do that. Yeah, and before we move out of his, like, movies, I found a list from USA Today that I want to quickly read through of the top most crazy roles Nick Cage has played in movies. Let's hear it. And it includes his most recent one that came out already this year. Number 10 is Adaptation. That's where he plays the twins, and that's what he was nominated for an Oscar for. Number 9 is Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Number eight is Color Out of Space, which actually just came out last weekend or this weekend. He looks weekend. so young in that. Well, this is Color Out of Space. Oh, okay. I was like, That's looks, an old movie. Yeah. I was like, he looks young in this one. So, number seven is Raising Arizona, which is a uh, Coen Brothers film, by the way. I love the Coen Brothers. Number six is Wild at Heart, which is a David Lynch film. Number five is Bad Lieutenant, Port of Call, New Orleans. I haven't seen this one, so I've heard I, I have never one. even heard of this one. Uh, number four is The Wicker Man, which... That's ha- where the bees memes come from. Yeah. So that's when he gets tortured with bees. It's not the bees! God, we're going to talk about that. And then number three is Vampire's Kiss. Number two is Mandy. And then number one is Face Off. Number one is Face Off? Yeah. Honestly, that, role that is movie nonsense. is wild. I don't understand how they thought that they looked alike. They look nothing alike. They look nothing alike. Well, the enti- they, don't, not, they don't even need to look alike. The entire concept behind it is that... They took off his their face. And, like, switched them. Yeah. But the brains stayed the same. So, essentially, Nick Cage is playing John Travolta playing Nick Cage. Yes. And then John Travolta is playing... Nick Cage playing John Travolta. Because they yes, switch faces. Yes, so yes. it's the actor playing the character whose face has been yes. swapped. It's nonsense. It is. It, it's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. No. It's so good, though. <laughs> the reason I think Mandy is number two is because of how just, like, off the wall the entire plot line is. Yeah. And when he just goes absolutely nuts when he's in his underwear in the bathroom and just screaming. Yeah. Like, when I saw that, the audience laughed. Yeah. Because it's so awkward that you don't know what to do. But, yes. And then, obviously, Vampire's Kiss is total nonsense. And that was pretty early Nick Cage, too. So that's yeah. when we saw, like, early him going off the rails. I love it, though. Like, Oh, I love it so much. I love it. I love him. Same. All right. Let's get into some of our favorite Nicolas Cage stuff. Yeah, so I, my first note was that, honestly, his acting style is why he seems so crazy, I think, and that's why we love him. See, I think he seems agreed, but I also think he seems crazy because of, like... He is crazy? No, not necessarily. I mean, he's fucking weird. Agreed. Um, but it's also, like, the way he just... Yeah, no, it's just who he is. Let's go into more some yeah. more stuff. So, um, one of the couple of things I wrote down was he actually is the former owner of the LaLaurie Mansion in yep. New Orleans, and he actually only purchased the mansion so he could go in there and write a horror novel. And then it was super duper haunted, and they moved out. Okay. Um, he also has his cemetery gravestone that's already the, built. That's the pyramid, right? It's the pyramid. Yeah. Uh, which will be in our Instagram story because I saw the pyramid. Nice. He has his own pyramid tomb in yep, New Orleans built that. for him I in St. Louis him. Cemetery Number One, and you can actually go on like any cemetery tour in New Orleans, and they'll take you to. I his love that grave. for him. Literally, we showed up, and they're like, "Does anyone know whose grave this is?" So I was like, "Nick Cage, <laughs> Nick Cage." Yes, because I had done my research. The other thing that's actually 
I mean, it's not surprising, but we know it. He's not really a fan of the Cage Rage internet meme. That's fair. He says that people just don't understand his acting style. <laughs> and that's from Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, so the, the Cage Rage meme is the one where he's, it's the scene where he's in the office yelling at his secretary in Vampire's Kiss, and it's like, he's like, surprised. Yeah. That's like the you don't say, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because, so that was a meme... Like when years like memes, memes like first, first came out, yeah, when like yeah, yeah. they took the image and they made like a line drawing, mm-hmm. and it was like a reaction image. That's like when memes first became a thing. Yeah. Um, my favorite Nick Cage thing is that he eats animals based on how they have sex. So he only eats animals that have sex in a dignified way, or like a way that he he believes is beautiful. I and, like, love that for him. <laughs> like, just I imagine, love just that imagine for Nick him. Cage going to a restaurant, and being like. Do you have whatever? Because I think they have beautiful sex. <laughs> That's so fucking weird. Did you know he also, his most recent marriage, I didn't put this in here, but um, his most recent marriage only lasted six days. I did not. Did you know that Nick Cage was married to Michael Jackson's ex-wife? Which one? Lisa Marie Presley. No way! Shut the fuck up! He was married to Lisa Marie Presley for two years, and Johnny Ramone, I believe, introduced them and was best man at their wedding. Damn. Um, also not on this list, but uh, Nick Cage's son used to be in a black metal band. Nice. And it's really entertaining looking at photos of the two of them together back when he was in it, so like... Oh, yeah, I did know that. He did, he looks more like this now. No, like I did. He, I've seen these photos. Yeah. yeah, I've seen those photos. He looks more normal now, but he used to be in like a black metal band. Yeah, I've seen those photos. Um, so I have 10 weird facts about 10 awesomely weird facts about Nicolas Cage from IFC. Right, let's go. Um, so number 10, China thinks he's the best actor in the world. So was he like the David Hasselhoff of China? I think so. That's what it seems like. Oh my like. god. Um so he has won the best global actor in motion pictures. Wow. From the Huading Awards. Um, I don't know that I said that right. You probably didn't. He sued Kathleen Turner because she said that he stole a dog. Um, and this was in her memoir where she describes him having getting like a DUI or drunk driving and having like a chihuahua that he stole. And he sued her for defamation um, and they settled out of court. Uh, number eight is that he once woke up to a naked man, next to a naked man. So when he was living in Orange County with his wife, he woke up one night to discover a man completely naked, except for his leather, his Nicholas Cage's leather jacket, sitting on the foot of his bed eating a fudgesicle. I've heard of that before. <laughs> and uh, eventually, they moved out pretty quickly. So this is another. I one. also have that one on yeah. my list. So number seven is that he once did mushrooms with his cat. On David Letterman, I think he asked him about, like, underage drinking, and he basically said, um, he definitely once ate a bag of shrooms while hanging out with his cat and tripped with him. Yeah, so actually what happened there is that his cat, Lewis, had ate his mushrooms and thinking they were catnip, and he thought that the only morally right thing to do was to also do mushrooms with it to provide companionship. That's not wrong. He says he remembers lying in bed for hours and Lewis was on the desk across from him also for hours. And they were just staring at each other and not moving except for staring at each other. So number six is that he's going to be buried in a pyramid, yep, which we talked the, about. Yep. Number five is he had two teeth pulled for a movie, which yep. we talked about. Number four, he eats sex-based... He eats... <laughs> based on how they have sex, which you talked about. Uh, number three is his acting technique is called Novo Schematic, which I definitely said wrong. Number two is he had a mime stalker. So, um, in the movie, Bringing Out the Dead, an obsessed Nick Cage fan showed up multiple times on set, pantomiming a uh, number of weird actions until they got security to keep him out. And then number one is he once had a pet octopus. So... That's fun. Um, he... 
dropped a bunch of money on Octopus telling people that he needed it to help him with his acting. No other explanation. I have one more fact about Nick Cage. Oh, there's a bunch of facts I have to go through. Well, so we gotta move we gotta move on. So Yeah, we do have to move on. This is um one that I actually know. So Nick Cage has a Sphinx cat. Yes. And he got his Sphinx cat from a breeder in the Los Angeles area. Okay. One of my friends has tracked down said breeder and is attempting to get a Sphinx cat that has the same genes as Nicolas Cage's Sphinx cat. I love that for your friend. Also, Sphinx cats are so cute. They're so cute. cute. I love them. so. They're so cute. They're like little like naked mole rats. I know. I love them. All right. So... Let's get into the memes. Yes. yes so yes, yes. I have Nick Cage meme formats. One, obviously the Cage Rage. Like original meme format was Cage Rage. Yeah, like <laughs> I wasn't supposed to find this, but Shut up. You need to read that. I found one that says, despite all my rage, I am still just Nicolas Cage. That's amazing. And it's the Cage Rage meme. Yeah. Um, The other huge meme format around Nick Cage is Not the Bees. Which is a Wicker Man thing. Wicker Man. I actually have that on a mug. Um, I once got sent that a bunch of times by this guy I was dating. Just Not the Bees? Not the Bees. He, yeah, it was just a reaction diff constantly. Yep, that. And then the the last one I have on here is the wind blowing in his hair from Con Air, where he's like coming off of the hel- I think it's a helicopter. I think so. And like his just like his his hair is blowing. It's in like the a, wind. it's like a Pantene. Have, my commercial. favorite is the vine where it's like blow on the screen in three, two, one. <laughs> and it's just uh, Nick Cage is like it's Nick Cage, but it's uh, Careless Whisper yeah. by George like George Michael yeah. playing in the background. Yeah. Um, so that's a thing. So uh, I think that about wraps up a very, very quick high-level discussion on Nick Cage. Yeah, that was definitely one of our shorter episodes, but I guess we have an entire Final Thoughts segment to go through. Let's be real. Final Thoughts is going to be just as long as the episode itself. I hope not, please. I don't want to edit that. All right, so stick around for Final Thoughts. Listen to the song now. Alright, so for this week's final thoughts, we actually thought it'd be really fun to chat about the Coppola family. The Coppola clan. Yeah, as we're calling them now. Yeah. Because eventually we're going to have to chat about the Skarsgård clan, and we thought this would be a good way to battle of the Skarsgård skanks? There's got to be some kind of like alliteration there. Oh, I've never... You gotta figure out some kind of alliteration there. Agreed. Yes, we need to talk about the Coppola clan. Yes. Um, Because there's actually a lot of really fun There's a lot of really famous Coppolas. Yes. um, In the the movie film industry. Um, Yeah. And obviously Nick Cage, as we mentioned, is a Coppola. Yeah. Which, honestly, I did not realize until earlier or later... Last year, I think. Yeah, I, I think it was pretty recently that you realized. I, was, he I was texted you and I was like, "Nicholas Cage is a Coppola." My response was, "Where yeah. have you been?" I thought his name Cage. is literally. I Nicholas thought his Coppola. name was Nick Cage. Despite all my rage. <laughs> Anyways, so I mean, obviously, the most famous one is. Well, Prince. so let's let's go back to the beginning. So this group originally starts with. Carmine and Anton Coppola. Yes. Is like the grandparents. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Carmine, Carmine got remarried and had three kids with. Um, Italia? It- yeah, Italia Panino? Some lady. Yes. So, um, Carmine had, uh, three kids, August Floyd Coppola, Francis Ford Coppola. Yeah, so Nick Cage's dad, August Coppola, that we talked about earlier, 
Francis Ford Coppola, famous director. Yeah, um, and then Talia Rose Coppola. Yes. So obviously, we know August got married married to Joy Vogelsang, whose name we can't say, and we've talked about Nick Cage's family. Yeah. So. We've talked about Nick Cage's family, his immediate family, so his uncle... Let's go into his uncle's family. So, Francis Ford Coppola, obviously most known for... I mean, he did the 1974 Great Gatsby, Apocalypse Now, The Outsiders, um, more recently has done... He did Bram Stoker's Dracula in the 90s. He's done The Godfather. He's done lots of shit. Yeah. I mean, if you don't He's know who Francis Ford Coppola is... Look him up. I don't know what rock you're living under. So he is married. got married to Eleanor Neal, who is a well-known actress. And they had um, their children. Three of them. You had Giancarlo Coppola. Gian? I Gian? know Gian. Yeah, okay. Uh, Giancarlo Coppola, Roman Coppola, and Sofia Coppola. Um, Sofia Coppola, also a famous director. Yeah, so she has directed... Uh, she did Marie Lost in, Transla- well, Lost in Translation, I think is the one that I most well-known her, know her for. I know her for The Virgin Suicides, um, as a director. For acting, she's she been had in some The Godfather. Minor acting roles. Um, um, but pretty famous director as well. Yeah. I actually know her also very well because she is married to the lead singer of one of my favorite bands. Yep. She is married to Tomas Pablo, Pablo Croquet, which is his name. He's actually more, more well known for Tomas Mars. He's the lead singer of Phoenix. Yep. And That's have, actually how I know her as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's married, which is really sad, but also I know a lot more about music than I do about movies, so that's not that surprising for me. So obviously, Roman Coppola is another filmmaker, screenwriter, producer, entrepreneur. He, I did not know this until just right now, he created the TV series for Amazon, Mozart in the Jungle. That's a good show. I don't know what that is. It's a really good show. All right, moving on from Francis Ford, um, the last child of Carmine Coppola is um, Talia Rose Coppola. Yep. Um, married someone named David Shire. Had one child. Um, I think the more important one that we want to cover yeah. is Jack Schwartzman. Yep. Um, and they had their child. child. is Jason Schwartzman. Eyebrow guy. Yeah. Um, the guy with the eyebrows as I always refer to him as because I yeah. don't know. I never remember his name. Yeah, so, so Jason Schwartzman is, is a Coppola. And he is extremely well known for being in Wes Anderson movies. Roman Coppola is also well known for being tied into Wes Anderson films. Interesting. So, um, I mean, Jason Schwartzman has been in Rushmore, The Darjeeling Limited, Limited, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Moonrise Kingdom, The Grand Budapest Hotel, and Isle of Dogs as far as Wes Anderson goes. Um, He's also in the band. He is the band Coconut Records. He was a drummer and songwriter for Phantom Planet. So that band that did the OC theme song? Yes. um, I think they were on, like, Fuel by Ramen. Were they? I didn't know Or, like, Decay Dance. One of those, like, emo... Yeah, Fuel by Ramen. Um, Cute. I mean... Obviously, like, huge. He is Coconut yeah. Records. I love Coconut Records. I love Coconut Records. Um, so, Nick Cage, how many removed is that? One? One removed? How does removal work? It's his cousin. It's not even... Yeah, they're cousins. It's not removed. So, Nick Cage is cousins with Jason Schwartzman. It's not even removed. They're cousins. No, they're cousins. <laughs> they are full-blown well, I think cousins. that's one removed. That's, like, literally, yeah. like, if you're related, it's one Oh, yeah. Removed. No, they're cousins. So, just if you've ever wondered, Nick Cage is also kind of cousins with Tomas Mars. Yeah. Uh, he's one removed. Yeah. One removed from Tomas Mars from Phoenix. Yeah. So. Phoenix if is you play, If you play the game of, like, six degrees, six of, degrees of whatever, it's, like, one degree. Yeah. Some Phoenix. So, Nick Cage is two degrees separated from Kevin Bacon. Well, there's your answer. Let's find out how. So, 
here's how he's related to, or how how many degrees he's separated from Nick Cage. Kevin Bacon is from Nick Cage. So Nick Cage was in an, ad, an adaptation of Meryl Streep, who was in The River Wild with mm-hmm. Kevin Bacon. Bacon. Kevin Bacon. So well, that's two degrees go. separated. So he's at, he has a Bacon number of two. Or a cage number. Kevin Bacon has a cage number of two. He has a cage number of two. He has a cage number of two. We're calling that now. Cage All right, numbers. guys. So on that note. On the cage number note. That's the end of the episode. Yeah. This was a fun one. And also never forget. Jason Schwartzman, Tomas Mars, Nick Cage. One degree one family. One cage degree. (laughs) All right. Uh, If you enjoyed this episode, which we hope you did. We we, did. I mean, yeah, we did. We absolutely did. We would like you guys to go on your favorite podcast streaming service and leave us a five-star review and tell five of your friends so that we can be on one cage degree from all of your friends. (laughs) Um, it would be two, because it's, oh, their, it's yeah. a friend of yeah. Well, then we could be one cage degree, because your friends could become our friends. Yes. We're trying However to be one works. cage degree. We're trying to be one cage degree. Um, and then go on our most recent Facebook, or Instagram post, and Or Facebook, us, it's the same thing. Whatever. Our most recent social media post, and tell us what your favorite Nick Cage movie is. Yes. Okay, well, uh, listen to the song, listen for our social media plugs, and we will see you guys next time. Yep, thanks for listening. Alright, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is Drunk and Uncultured. And our Twitter is Drunk Uncultured. No and. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Lindsay Sold Out. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at shittyconcertblog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.